0: Hey, this is Matthew Estevez from Raw Charge. You're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. how's it going everybody welcome to the third line plug sense cast i am your host taylor gibson joining me as always from the tropical metropolis of calgary alberta my co-host and jesse tim how's it going sir it's going good going good i had a
1: really busy weekend and it's kind of spilled over into today oh yeah yeah uh we had a holiday party played some Played a competitive Weiss tournament and uh, finally got around to sleeving up my uh, my cube for Pokemon. I can describe what that is a little later. And I also recorded uh, another episode for Wild, Wild Weiss that I have to actually upload today because I'm recording another one tomorrow.
0: Fantastic, man. And we
1: did that all in a week. Sorry, like four days, actually.
0: That's not bad. It's pretty good. And obviously, like, we'll get to that when we recap our week. So, Tim, I'm very excited to get together for today's episode. Not only because we've got two Senator wins to talk about, we got some good stuff for top of the hour, but we quickly got to make an announcement. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So, for next week's episode, which will be our 2021 Christmas episode, I'm proud yeah. to announce that we finally get to talk with one of since Twitter's favorite sons. Mr. James Wood, the pun master himself, will be joining us as our December guest host for our Christmas episode. So really excited to have him on. He's one of those guys on Twitter that, you know, as much as since Twitter can be a real sea of negativity, James is always bringing it with very positivity and a lot of puns. It's just a fun time too. And it also doesn't help that whatever I see his name pop up, I just think
1: of that one episode of Family Guy where James Wood stays with the family and it just makes things fun.
0: A piece of candy. Ooh, a piece of candy. Yeah, you know what's funny though, and I'm sure he's probably heard that quite a bit over his tenure on Sense Twitter, but we'll talk with him lot next week about that. Now that we got that out of the way, Tim, we gotta talk about today's cover athlete because today's episode is season five, episode nine in chronological order, episode 104, the Chris Phillips edition of the third line plug, SenseCast. So just a little background about Chris Phillips. He was drafted first overall by the Ottawa Senators in 1996. He spent his entire NHL career with the Senators recording 71 goals, 217 assists for 288 points in 1,179 games. And the Ottawa Senators would later retire his number four on February 18th, 2020. Okay, so let's talk about Chris Phillips. Because, you know, it's really funny. And, you know, in the history of the Ottawa Senators, you talk about some of the big names that we've had, whether it be the Danny Heatleys, the Jason Spetzes, Marion Hoses, Eric Carlson's. go down the list. None of these guys started and finished their career in Ottawa. Even Daniel Offenson, the one guy you would have thought that would have been a career senator, never finished his career in Ottawa. And yet Chris Phillips is the lone senator, scouted, drafted, developed, and retired an Ottawa Senator.
1: I thought Chris Neal did it as well. Oh, you're right. Yes, Chris Neal. But Chris Neal's, I think Chris Neal and Chris Phillips, when fans think of like skill tiers of players, and especially someone who has a first overall pedigree, Chris Phillips is definitely the guy people think of. And Chris Phillips also holds that illustrious 1,179 games as the person to play the most games in an Ottawa Senators sweater.
0: That is true. I actually feel really bad now that I completely gapped on the fact that Chris Neal also finished his career as an Ottawa Senator too. So we're talking about Philly. You know, it's weird. Chris Phillips is one of these guys that we're talking about the Ottawa Senators, he was never one of these guys who's a flashy defenseman. He didn't really stick out. He was definitely that stay-at-home defenseman. Very, very solid on his own end. But I think the one thing that really surprises a lot of people, you want to talk about a guy who... Would have guessed if you if you were to tell people Chris Phillips went first overall, do you think people would honestly believe you?
1: No, and for many years, I didn't believe that,
0: yeah. And honestly, I think that really goes to show just how weak of a draft class that 1996 year was. Well, everybody points to the 1999 draft class as being one of the worst years in the history of the draft, but 99 was different because you saw. Daniel Henrik had come out of that draft in the first round, and then of course you had Henrik Zetterberg, and a few other guys came out of that as well. I th- think Marty Havlatik. No, I think sorry, I think Marty Havlatik either came in '98 or '99. I can't remember off the top of my head. But '96, when Chris Phillips is the guy that goes first overall, you, that really goes to show. And this is no disrespect towards Chris. It really goes to show what a lack of top tier talent was really in that draft. Well, what's funny about that particular draft, too, is in hindsight,
1: I can't think of a better person to pick first overall in that draft other than Chris Phillips, and Chris Phillips is usually kind of – he would be probably a first-rounder for sure, but probably closer to the middle of the round, given that he's just like a stalwart defenseman and didn't put up a ton of points,
0: you know? Exactly, and especially when you think of a guy who went first overall, you immediately think of a guy who put up – really gaudy stats, put up big numbers. And yeah, here's Chris Phillips, who was just not that kind of guy. And I think in juniors, I think he put up pretty good numbers. But yeah, once he got to the NHL, he quickly figured out what his role was to stay in the NHL. And he did his job. And did yeah, because
1: like maybe you take Denise Zubris instead. Like, you that's know, the only other name I could think of.
0: Yeah, I don't see, I don't think you would take Darius Zubris uh, in the first first overall, well, that's the only thing. Because even he didn't really have much of a, I, he had a career, but it wasn't like a first overall career.
1: Yeah, like, if we want to look at point, like most goals, I think was actually Matt Cullen. Former Senators legend, Matt Cullen. Yeah, that's right. And him and Philly were actually teammates as well. And most goals was Zidane, and like most games played is Chara
0: crazy well the fact is i mean char is still playing right yeah
1: that's kind of not fair but we're talking about a guy who went in the third round of this curse this kind of cursed draft
0: no i think i've mentioned this on the fact that sorry i think i've mentioned this on the show that my supervisor during the summer when i was working with the maintenance crew actually grew up with chris phillips in fort mcmurray so he grew up playing baseball with them and i was asking him like oh yeah what was chris phillips like and he says Super nice guy, kind of a quiet kid. But one thing that really stuck out to me was he was telling me, I guess when he got drafted by the Sens, I think his dad was legally blind. The whole team paid for Chris's mom and dad to move to Ottawa to be with Chris.
1: That's actually really cool.
0: Yeah, and that's a story that I never, ever heard, right? So... Again, I think that's really cool. The fact is that nobody has ever heard that story too, right? But.
1: And that's, that's such a local story too, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Because
1: like, I could imagine just kind of wandering around uh, Fort Mac and just hearing. Oh yeah. Like, uh, like that family from Calgary came up here, worked in the fields a bit, kind of works here because dad's now blind. And all of a sudden, well, I guess he played for, Fort McMurray oil barons, his yeah. family's from Calgary. And then just like, yeah, Ottawa drafts him and uh, they take, let him move with them. And that's really cool.
0: It is really cool.
1: And it actually really seems like Chris Phillips, at least took a, a liking to Ottawa as well, because after his career was done, uh, he set up big rig.
0: You know, and I think that's really been a trend with a lot of the ex-senator players, whether it be Chris Neal, Chris Phillips, Mark Mathot, even Daniel Alfredson. I mean, these guys played in Ottawa. They loved living there and they ended up retiring there. Right now, obviously it was kind of a mess retired as a star. Alfie is a red wing, but post career, they moved back and lived in Ottawa. Yeah.
1: And all signs point to Eric Carlson, probably moving back here too, because Melinda Carlson loves the cities a lot. And Ottawa is a nice place to live. I might move back there for work, but I don't know. It's like Suburban Ottawa is actually very nice downtown outside of the market can get pretty boring, pretty quick,
0: but I think I like Calgary just fine. <laughs> no, that was always the thing I've heard about Ottawa because Ottawa is definitely, and, and you would probably speak on this more than I can, given that you live there was that Ottawa seems like it's more of a family city more than yeah. anything. If you have families. It's perfect. But if you're a guy in your twenties and you want to go hang out, there's you're kind of limited to what you could really do. Yeah. Because
1: outside of the market, like a lot of things in Centertown, close at five because the way the city's set up is government workers drive into core government workers drive out. And then even some of the, because like your core finance, sorry, like your core government functions, like finance, Privy council, those sort of things are in, they're in downtown. So it's the bank of Canada, but like statistics, Canada is actually pretty far out at Tunney's pasture. Mm-hmm. Sciences, I think is, out in Gloucester. So like stuff gets some of the government offices can be pretty far too. And then it gets very suburban, very quick. The market is a fun time though. <laughs> but the problem is, is like, I wish the market was closer to where they played the hockey games. So people could just kind of mosey on over once the game's over or at the speed of drunk.
0: <laughs> the arena should be closer to the market.
1: Yeah. Let's get on that. Mr. Melnick.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So let's talk about some memorable moments in Neil and you Neil know, Chris Phillips' career. Now, of course, the one big moment that everybody seems to point to, the 2007 Stanley Cup Finals, the own goal in Game Five. But for me, the moment that really sticks up for Chris Phillips, May 21st, 2003, Game Six against the New Jersey Devils in New Jersey, Marion Hossa goes around Scott Stevens, throws at the net, a puck, a scramble in front. And Chris Phillips pops on the winner to send Ottawa to game seven.
1: And listening to the call on that plays very, very funny because it's just like, who knew Chris Phillips could, like it's all of this very talk about, Oh, we wouldn't expect Chris Phillips to be the guy up there. It's very much like, what's he doing up there? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. He's the hero. Uh, And I always feel really bad for Chris Phillips on the own goal because by that point, the game was already done. Like sure, that was the thing that put the nail in the coffin. But that was a g- that series was very sad. Yeah, And it's unfortunate that that kind of stuck to him, even though in the grand scheme of things, it literally didn't matter.
0: It, it really didn't. But I think that whole series against Anaheim, honestly, it was over before it started. As soon as you saw Anaheim just running right over the Senators, yeah, fans flashbacks of playing against Toronto, playing against Buffalo. In the late 90s, early 2000s, when those teams steamrolled the Senators left, right, and center. But you got to go back to that 2003 Eastern Conference finals, you got to realize how crazy that was because you got to realize the Senators had finished first overall in the NHL division, conference, everything. Going into that series against New Jersey, that was really in the Eastern Conference, that was the roadblock, was the Devils. If you could get past New Jersey, then you were pretty much smooth sailing in the Eastern conference. That's no disrespect to teams like Philadelphia and some of the other teams in the East at the time, but you've got to realize that the senators, they won game one at home and then they dropped the next three. So they go into game five in Ottawa down three to one. Jacques Martin puts Spets in. They won three, one, they go back to Jersey for game six. They win that. And then they lose two, one at home in game seven. And I still hate Jeff Friesen for that. And that's the thing is like the New Jersey devils. That was the type of hockey they like to play in.
1: And this is a problem that the NHL still has, but the refs let it happen. Yeah. Because that well, sort like a, of tug and grab, nobody can move. Cause the ice is basically mud style of playoff hockey is it's
0: shit. It is shit, but you know what? They weren't breaking any rules. That was the thing. And I think even going back to look back on the devils, like, you don't, as much as, as success, successful as a team were, they were the most boring team to watch, they really were. And they frustrated a lot of play, teams. They frustrated a lot of players because they would win games by like two, one, three, one, it was never a complete blowout. And I honestly think of it kind of like if you're a basketball fan, kind of like the, the San Antonio Spurs used to be the Spurs were like this very defensive minded team first, all about team play but they won titles, right? They they weren't flashy, and they won titles. But the thing is, Jersey played with. It seemed like they were playing with like three defensemen back there because Bro Dirk came out of the net so much yeah. that you might as well have given him
1: given him skates.
0: Yeah, you might as well just take him out of his pads. Because no, no disrespect to Uncle Daddy, but you know, Uncle Daddy, <laughs> when he wasn't making saves, he was a third defenseman out there. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So Tim, let's talk about next week's cover athlete poll because next week's episode is season five, episode 10, in chronological order, episode 105. Now we got three names on the board, not great names, mind you, but they're names for sure. So the players on the board are Christoph Schubert, Brian Lee, and Cody Cece. The person I might actually have the most memories of
1: is Cece. Yep. And that's just sad. <laughs> Can Jake Sanderson wear a number? Well, I guess Nick Holden's wearing, wearing number five right now.
0: Yeah, he is wearing number five right now. But, honest, but honestly, I was just looking at him and be like, do we really want to name him the cover athlete?
1: Hey, him and Zuber playing pretty good. We, we finally got the good two-five pairing.
0: That is true, man. That is true. And obviously, we'll talk about that more <laughs> when we get to those. But before we do that tim i'm going to ask the question that our listeners love knowing every single week how was your week
1: busy as i was saying uh so kind of the run started around i want to say tuesday because uh bushy road the company that makes white Schwartz, the card game i play and do a podcast about uh while weiss announced the new ban list after uh the japanese national championship finished up a few weeks ago so that was announced on tuesday and uh, they announced quite possibly one of the biggest changes to the ban list they've ever done like 10 cards got ba- had were somehow banned and a bunch got unbanned and that's very unusual they 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 don't usually do ba- a bunch of bannings and a bunch of unbannings mm-hmm. they usually do one or the other so it was like okay i was like oh i can write an article about this and like i started writing up the article i was like no, I should do a podcast like the way that this is going to be written out. I think it would actually it would be better, like spoken dialogue and argument more so than just a written article. So I organ- I got a few people together to uh, record then Friday, I'm busy with work and then go. Uh, Chelsea had her labs doing a lab function at the zoo. And I've got card games out with my usual group on Friday. So I drive Chelsea to the zoo, leave the car for Chelsea to drive and pick me up from card games. And I train to the train to the card store. You want to take it.
0: You want to guess how long it took for the train to get there. Okay. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Yeah. yeah.
1: Sorry. Get to the zoo.
0: Okay. Are so. we talking minutes or hours? Uh, minutes. Okay. Let me, let me guess on this one. Okay.
1: Remember this is rush hour on the blue line. One stop from downtown heading into downtown.
0: 45 minutes.
1: 25.
0: Okay. Now, now how close are you from downtown to where you live right now?
1: So right now I'm usually on the red line, not the blue line. And during rush hour, it's usually one train every eight minutes. This is three times the weight. So I ended up being late for card games. And then Saturday, Chelsea and I had a holiday party. Okay. We celebrated. The anniversary of the signing of the Statute of Westminster.
0: Okay, you need to explain this for me because I I'm gonna sound a little bit ignorant. I'm not exactly sure what that is, Tim. Do you mind just explaining what that is a little bit? Okay, so there's the reason why we did it. Is
1: it's one of those random holidays that just shows up in your Google Calendar, right? But the Statute of Westminster of 1932 gave Canada the Irish Free State complete home rule. And also gave limited home rule upon ratification to New Zealand and Australia in the British in the British Empire. So it was mentioned in Social Studies 11. So instead of doing like, we could have done a Hanukkah party, but Hanukkah ended a few days before we had time to do it. Kwanzaa and Christmas are around the same time. So the Statute of Westminster was what we celebrated. Basically, so people came in, I quizzed people on the statute. So I spent all of Saturday, like Chelsea and I spent all of Saturday doing the rest. So I did a bunch of cleaning on Friday and then Chelsea and I did the rest of the cleaning on Saturday and then made cookies. And then uh, by the time we were done, cookies and sitting down to eat dinner, people were showing up because we also slept until like noon.
0: Nice. Okay. So just a quick sidebar here, because you said you mentioned you made cookies. Were they homemade cookies or are they the ones out of the two? Oh, we, we made them
1: from scratch. So we made a... So the night before we, uh, prepared like a uh, nutless Rocky road squares and just put them in the fridge to set. Mm-hmm. And then we made uh rolled sugar cookies and gingerbread cookies the day of, and then iced and decorated all that.
0: Okay. Did they give you vibes of those, uh, ginger cookies your mom used to make at Christmas? Oh, same recipe. those cookies were good. <laughs> They're
1: so good, man. Uh, except instead of using, uh, the usual water-based recipe that mom uses, we did a butter icing.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize how hard it was to cream butter, eh? Because uh, we didn't want to use the whisk in a metal bowl, so I was creaming it by hand with a spatula.
0: Okay, so I, I got a side story to tell you. Yeah, because when my when uh, when Katrina met my dad for the first time, like he was making his homemade trifle, and my dad he makes whipping cream in a blender. And so she's watching this and she's just like, no, no, you shouldn't. No, no, don't do that. So here she is because she's really (laughs) baking. So here she is like whisking it by hand and she does it. My dad's just like, okay, this is, this is pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) Just let me do it. (laughs) Yep. Honestly, that his homemade trifle, man, that's. That shit's to die for. That's so good. Because it's why Her and I were driving away, and we were just looking at each other like, we should have just took the rest of us with us. We should have just took the rest. I'm a little jealous now. I'll have to try it. Oh, I know. If I could try to get my hands on some, it'll be great. So now I know that you were just talking about your week. Now, last week, we didn't talk about, or you didn't talk about Pride of Orange. No, I did not. Do you want to give an update on?
1: Because it was a two part episode.
0: Oh, shit. So we get the full episode. It's
1: the Dream Monkeys play the first game of Division B hockey. So the way it works is the Japanese Hockey League is split between two leagues. Sorry, the Women's League is split between two leagues, League A and League B. The top six leagues play in the top top six teams of the league play in League A. And the top team from B gets bumped up, and the bottom team from A gets relegated. So. Okay. The episode starts with uh uh I'm forgetting the other girl's name, but Rico, Rico and uh one of the defensemen are practicing and the defenseman is getting Cody CC'd. Oh no. So Rico, who's the center, is like, okay, we're gonna practice and we're gonna keep going until you can strip me of the puck. And it's it's not going well. So eventually it's like she's like no, remember the promise we made when we were kids. We're gonna support each other. It's like, and then it ends up working out. In game, however, Naomi gets Cody CC'd again. Oh, geez. and uh, Rico's like, "Oh shit!" remembers like has like a little flashback moment. tries to stop the player. The Naomi and Rico bump into each other, and Rico ends up twisting her ankle. So she like pretty bad. So she's out. And in that moment. And that's where part one of this episode ends. Mm-hmm. Part two, now he's like, "Wait, I have to take all of our weight off my shoulders." And through the power of friendship, becomes Artem Zub, and plays in very good defense for the rest of the game. And Manica scores her first goal, which ends up being the game winner. So they win their first game, and they have a they have a little crowd cheering for them as well. The hockey actually looked pretty good this episode.
0: Yeah, because that was one thing that you've mentioned when talking about Pride of Orange over the last several episodes is that you've mentioned how the quality has really bumped up since the first episode. Yeah, it's
1: like one thing that... One thing they did in this game, which was a little nice, is you got more shots of positional play. So instead of it just being like a few one-on-one shots or someone skating at a goalie, you you saw a few shots where like the two defensemen would be closing off a forward or pushing or like the, there'd be a defenseman breaking up a passing play. Mm-hmm. So you're getting act- more actual hockey happening. And it's good to see that, okay, they're putting the money where it needs to go. So like actually watching the hockey was actually pretty fun. Uh, sto- like the the story was, it's pretty standard stuff. Like injury, but power of friendship sort of thing is as you've, probably would analogize right
0: out of the Mighty Ducks. I was just thinking that too, because that happened in the Mighty Ducks too. Yeah. Because the one kid, I think Adam Banks, I think I don't think he broke his wrist. I think he fractured it because one of the Iceland players two-handed him right over the wrist after they scored. Hmm. He like, yeah, I got when he's pointing the stick and he just goes, Rrr! and just two-hands him.
1: Yeah, so I think Pride of Orange is good enough to finish. Okay. I'm not going to say it's anything great. I'd say it's, if you like hockey, it's worth a watch.
0: Okay. So, is there has there been any update whether it's going to be a second season or is it just going to stay at once?
1: We haven't heard anything. Chances, if we're going to get an announcement for a second season, it'll be once the season's done at the end of December. We'll see what we get, though. Mm-hmm. Because it, that's one of the frustrating things about the anime industry right now, just because there's so many goddamn projects going on and a lot of them are on kind of shoestring budgets. I'll usually get what you used to see is most shows would get two seasons. So right. that would be called a full course show. And the 13 show would be called a half course show. You're seeing almost exclusively half core shows. Right. And then there'll be a gap and then they'll do a second season or a third season or whatever. So there's only a few studios that seem to get greenlit for full cores. Uh, like, and this is like sunrise, which does Gundam will get that. Mm-hmm. but that's really interesting because Gundam used to get like 50, like 50 episode billings, So they'd get a full year instead of what would usually be six months of runtime. So the fact that they usually only get 26 nowadays is kind of going to show that this is kind of hitting everyone. Uh, PA works seems to get, tw- they'll get 26 episodes. So one of the shows that I'm watching, uh, Aquatope on the, on the white sands is a 26 er which is kind of surprising. Uh, yeah, it's. But yeah, it's the way th- most things seems to be going is like thirteen, maybe a movie, maybe a set, another thirteen, and just keep kind of rolling it that way.
0: Okay. Uh just a quick question here because I know that you're into anime. Have you got a chance to watch the Cowboy Bebop Netflix series yet? No. Uh and funnily enough, I still haven't watched the original Cowboy Bebop. Oh. From what I've
1: heard about Cap, I haven't watched it myself. I can't say much about it. What I've heard from other people is that. They were, there wasn't quite enough of an artistic vision to take something from animation to live action. So it just looks cheesy and dumb. And that, but at the same time, the writing wanted to go in a way that didn't really fit the characters, but they didn't do the legwork to keep, to change the characters in a way that would support what the writers wanted to do and actually made sense for the characters. So the characters look, the characters seem really weird because they're trying to fit these ideas that the writers have into what the characters were firmly established as in the anime, but didn't do any legwork to do it. So it's lazy. It's lazy writing with no vision. And apparently the actors do a pretty good job given the shit script they were given.
0: Yeah. And it's tough, right? Because if you, if you have a bad script, but it also comes from the direction, right? Mm. It's directing the show because the director can really can look at a script and be like, okay. This is kind of the vision that they kind of see for it. This is kind of how they want you to present it. If you have a bit, like say you have a good script and a bad director, it's going to be a bad performance because they don't exactly know fully how to do it. Right.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, unfortunately for the actors, you have a bad script, bad, bad direction, Mm -hmm. but the actors, the actors salvage what they get. So I've heard people say it's a good performance, but there's no vision and it shows.
0: Okay. Cause I just heard the, uh, the calculator. it got
1: canceled after one season.
0: Exactly. Now it's just speaking about aging orange real quick. If I, and it's funny, Tim, because when I, you did it again, I now shut up. <laughs> I orange. I can't, fuck you. But, <laughs> done. Yes. Okay. So when I was promoting that James Wood was coming on the show for next week's episode, I love that Matt Bosty responded in the comments going, he hasn't even watched the hockey anime yet. <laughs> SMH. Yes. And I just responded with "If so what you're saying is that the Bosty slash M91 Honey Badger Pride of Orange episode is going to be lit? But here's the question. Has Botsy watched the hockey anime? Ooh, I don't know. That's a good question, Tim. I don't know if he's watched the anime yet. (laughs) So I'll talk a little bit about my week. Now, my week was pretty good overall. I can't really complain. Now, the one thing I do want to talk about a little bit, and I mentioned this, I believe, on last week's episode or the week previous, Far Cry 6. So I Hmm. finally got a chance to sit down for a couple of hours to play it. So far, it's a pretty standard Far Cry game. It's going back to the setting, kind of like in Far Cry 3 when it was in the Amazon. Yeah. But this one is in South America. It's it's not bad. Like, it's not a bad game. I'll definitely play through it. And But it's definitely the traditional Far Cry that you've come to know over the past five games or whatever they've had.
1: So it's South America, but not the Amazon? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. so is it like a different jungle or is it like the mountains or what are we doing?
0: Uh, it's kind of kind of the mountains. It's kind of a kind of a mountainy sort of kind of looks like Cuba kind of kind of has like a Cuba feel to it. Oh, okay. So one of the things that I've really noticed in the game is that you have comrades. Basically, they're animals that help you out. They'll either distract somebody or do whatever. So the first comrade you have is an alligator named Amigo. <laughs> this is gonna sound oddly sinister, but when Amigo kills a guard, It's so over the top and gruesome that you can't help, but kind of laugh. It's so over the top. that It's like, this is so ridiculous. Like it's comical. Yes. And is that what they were going for? I don't think that was, I think. No, I don't know if that was what they're going for. I, I found it funny. I was just like, because I'm just like, it's so, it's so stupid looking and it's funny. And I don't know why. (laughs) But honestly, yeah, it's a it's a fun game. I, honestly, I'm glad that I bought it for like 50 bucks. I didn't pay full price because that was what I was really worried about when coming to buying the game at full price because I knew I was going to be disappointed by buy. it. But my expectations were kind of lowered because I bought it at 50 bucks instead. Right. So yeah, I'll definitely play through it. I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it. And it's going to be a good time. You know, I'm trying to think of like the last game that I bought where
1: I was like... Yes, I'm glad that I paid for this full price. I want to say
0: Mario Odyssey. Yeah, Odyssey was the one that I almost bought a Switch because of it.
1: That game is fantastic.
0: That's what you were saying. It was because you were telling me about this and I was like, oh man, because I don't have a Switch because a lot of the games I have there, like they have, yeah, obviously Mario Kart, Mario Party.
1: Breath of the Wild is is very, very good. Um, wild,
0: I've heard, amazing. even though I'm not a big Zelda guy, I, I've i heard, but it was Odyssey, it was Mario Odyssey, that's the one thing I really seriously consider buying a Switch for that Mario Golf yeah. Because I've said it on the show, like regardless of what you think of sports, the Mario sports games are always fun
1: they are, actually I think you would really appreciate a new Pokemon Snap
0: I also saw that too and I was like, oh I remember Pokemon Snap
1: it's Pokemon Snap, but more
0: Okay, in what way?
1: More levels. Mm -hmm. And this is a nice thing that Nintendo will sometimes do, is that they will actually do free content updates. So after release, they've just released four more levels. And like Pokemon Snap, they're short games, right? Yep. So new Pokemon Snap had, I want to say 12 levels. Yeah, no, I think it was 10 levels. And then, uh, it's now up to, no, sorry, it was 12 levels because it's a day and night version, which are actually different of both of, uh, each level and then a final level. And then they added two more, two more regions. So it was actually, it's got a decent amount to it. They have like all the stuff that the Neo one could previously do. The current one can do as well. The camera zooms a bit better and then you get like rapid shot on the camera.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Um. there's more, there's a good amount of like alternate pathways and stuff but uh, they're not as much of a pain in the ass to like, you don't have to do as much to activate some of the alternate pathways it's usually hit a specific thing with uh, like a ball, like one of the orbs or something or uh, play a song to get a Pokemon to move out of the way or something like that
0: okay, so it, it's a good game, nice y- yeah, I think maybe Katrina might pick it up. I'm not sure. Maybe that's how I'll play it. So the last thing I'll mention about my week, and you were talking about your podcast, Wild Wild Ways. Yep. I finished writing a brand new episode for the Great White Experience. Nice. It's all done. It's ready to go. I just got to record it. And it's going to be a wish list on the NFL Network's A Football Life. So A Football Life is a show on the NFL Network. They do... It's not docu series, but it's like an hour long series where they chronicle a player's life and career and all this stuff. And they've had like ten seasons of it so far. They're in their eleventh right now. So many great episodes, so many great players. And honestly, there's just a few players that they haven't done yet. That I was like, man, like that just seems like kind of season one kind of stuff. So I compiled a list. I finished writing it up, and I just got to record it. And I'm definitely gonna have a new another episode okay hopefully recorded by the end of the year so
1: nice nice so how many episodes have you managed to get for uh great way experience
0: currently i've done 3 You've
1: done 3 okay
0: the last episode i did was i reviewed nevermind by nirvana i went with right. me, me my dad did the whole album from start to finish we talked about nirvana 90s rock grunge all that stuff and we've got another album review that we're going to be doing at the end of the year i can't really talk about it right now but it's going to be a great episode and in 2022, I'm definitely going to try and post more contact from the... Okay. experience Because I've got so many ideas. And it's just a matter... It's just it's it's time-consuming. That's the only thing for me, right? Because I put so much time into doing this show that, you know, obviously, growing experience kind of gets put on the back burner. But in 2022, I'm definitely going to try to make a goal of it to produce more contact for it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because...
1: I've actually surprised it, like... I've managed to keep up a monthly pace for Wild well, Wild well, Wise at the very least. Because we've got like over, so from uh, September to September, I did about 14 episodes. And we're probably going to have three episodes out, sorry, two or three episodes out for December.
0: Is it just you? Because you've got just yourself, right? Or is it you and other people doing it?
1: So basically what happens is I, like I'm the host and I rotate. And basically what I'll do is I usually alternate between, uh, kind of a panel style discussion where we'll talk about a topic that's, that is interesting to one of us in Weiss Mm -hmm. Schwartz, or I'll interview a prolific player or a prolific content creator outside of what, outside of Calgary. So, uh, I'm going to have one of the guys who, the guy who curates the main reading list on tomorrow, for instance, to interview tomorrow, for instance. And uh, the one that I'm editing up is about changes in the ban list for Weiss Schwartz. And I just finished editing that up today and I'll hope to have it out this evening. Once we're done this. Uh, yeah. So it's just one of those things that I've been trying, I've been keeping an okay pace on it. Sometimes I feel it's like, oh, okay, maybe I should be doing this more. And like when I started, I think I originally wanted to try and do a bi-weekly pace, but I think that was too much. Mm-hmm. Well, Especially. Quite- yeah.
0: Well, it's funny, not unrelated to podcasting, but it's like, remember back in the day when James Rolfe with the Angry Video Game Nerd, he put out two episodes a month? Yeah. I don't, and even he's said in the past, he's like, I have no idea how I did that.
1: Well, I remember just like every two weeks, every other week, like, oh, it's time for the new Angry Video Game Nerd. And at the same time though, it's like, I think what happened with the nerd is like, there were definitely episodes where you could tell they were putting a lot more theatrical effort into while there was other ones where it was just a straight review. And I guess my thing with him was always, I, I always preferred his humor of the straight review more than like the practical stuff. Yeah. So I really didn't mind if he didn't go like too hard onto the practical.
0: Yeah. Because it gives you vibes of like the really early episodes when he was the angry Nintendo nerd Yeah. back when he was doing like, you know, Ninja Turtles and Roger Rabbit. So and it's funny because those are games that I played when I was growing when I was younger. So I think that's why it really resonated for me. But the fact is those episodes are 15 years old now. Like James really was the first you and it, you know it's funny when you talk about YouTubers today, you know, from PewDiePie to all of these big name big like name
1: markiplier and stuff. Yeah.
0: Exactly. James Rolfe was like the first guy. He was the first guy. And yeah. He, that and he never bought into his own hype.
1: Yeah, because that's what killed like uh the nostalgia critic and stuff is they kind of bought into themselves a bit too much.
0: Exactly. And I think yearning tree did a whole video about this that fame and ego has really killed a lot of careers. You talk about Pro Jared, you talk about Nostalgia Critic, I think he definitely bought into his own hype, but also there was a lot of shady shit going on. In oh, on Channel Awesome, yeah. Channel Awesome, yeah. So I think that was kind of a thing, so. Oh, uh, I
1: really funny side story. So about six years ago now, uh, my buddies and I were at an anime convention in Ottawa, and the premier guest was the Nostalgia Critic. Okay. And uh, one of my buddies was s- drunk as a skunk at this point. And I was like, yo, yo, you should ask him who makes more money, him or the angry video game nerd. And he got up and did that. And like the guy, like it took him a minute to process. And then another like 10 seconds to just like come up with like a sort of witty response. And all he could come up was like, yeah, I'm just going to phone my buddy.
0: (laughs) It's like, you shit on him so hard. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh good, man! So good. So let's talk a little bit about, well, let's quickly talk about last week's episode because honestly I don't remember much about the episode in general. I I thought it went pretty well. The only thing is that we forgot about pride of orange, orange. There you go. And what else did I forget? Previous. I don't know. I think we, I think we forgot to recap the previous episode, but other than that, whatever, although
1: I thought the energy was good on the Canucks game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it, it was very fun talking about the Carolina game.
0: Yep. And then the game after. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jesus. I mean, that's been quite a long intro we've had so far, Tim. Well, we just got on a bunch of tangents. <laughs> it's so good, man. It's so good. But the one tangent I always love doing is segueing into this little segment. I like to call top of the hour nice i understand it's not technically a tangent but you know you know i had to come up with a way to segue to top of the hour man you know
1: yeah from harder, harder
0: harder every game but you know what i'm a professional because this is an award-winning podcast that hasn't won shit
1: i was about to say did we get an award from adam no not but I yet. do want to
0: give a quick shout out to Adam because, of course, Adam is a fan of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who ended up sadly losing the Gray Cup last night to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who won back to back Gray Cup champions. If I'm not mistaken, I think they're back to back champs. I might. Again- yeah,
1: because they won in 2019. There was no Gray Cup in 2020 or 2021, right? No, wait, tw- this year's 2021.
0: Man. They, okay, technically they would be 2021. 2020- our, yeah, back-to-back champs. Yeah, yeah
1: back-to-back champs because they're, they were missing one.
0: 100%. So just quickly, I want to mention, because Adam asked me to put this in there, TSN, former TSN analyst and reporter Bob McKenzie. Now, of course, Bob is now semi-retired from TSN, and he's semi-retired from doing his hockey stuff. So Bob McKenzie has done a new venture. Okay. So over the last couple of years, Bob has become known as Bobby Margarita. Bobby Margarita has his own line of margarita mixed drinks. Yes, and I think it's kind of cool. I think it, you know it's definitely in the wave of, say, Pink Whitney and some of these other alcohols that ex-players and these kind of guys are now getting into. So it's really cool that Bob McKenzie is, is doing really, it too. He's doing it too, and the fact is that I don't. I know you probably didn't watch the video of him promoting it first. Bob McKenzie, he's like, okay, here's how you make a Bobby Margarita. First step. You take the blender, he goes outside, and he just hurls <gasps> it with one hand. <laughs> and it's not like a little girly throw. It's like a fucking shot put throw. He launches that fucker, too. So, good on him. Yeah, let's go. So, we got to talk about a really cool story to t- kick off top of the hour. The New York Rangers have officially become the first hockey team to be valued at $2 billion. Global media company Forbes released the article regarding financial values of NHL teams for 2021, which has the Rangers listed at $2 billion with Toronto and Montreal coming second and third at 1.8 and 1.6 respectively. While the Arizona Coyotes finished 31st at $400 million. Two comments.
1: Okay. The first is I bet you, a big chunk of the valuation difference between New York and Toronto is land val just the value of the land that the Madison square gardens is sitting on. If MSG owns and the New York, the New York Rangers organization owns that land because if they own that land. Then yeah, uh, enough land to build a arena in downtown New York is easily worth, probably worth at least a hundred million dollars more than the equivalent land of downtown Toronto.
0: Easy. And I mean, in fact, in fairness that I mean, in new, the fact that they built an arena smack dab in downtown New York.
1: Yeah. On top of Penn. Yeah. is incredible.
0: That is. And I love that. I have to ask, do you think Madison Square Garden was one of the first sort of hat, you know, quote unquote modern arenas to start doing this? Um, right top of a train station. Cause nowadays it seems like that would be such a no brainer, but back in the day, either that or Maple Leaf gardens. Cause Maple Leaf
1: gardens is on college state is basically on top of college station in Toronto. So it's on top of a subway station. Hmm. What about Boston garden? Boston, right. Boston gardens on a train. Actually, I don't remember which tea line Boston gardens on.
0: Yeah. The old garden.
1: Yeah. So the, the mass transit may have come later to the garden. I'd have to look that one up. But uh I'm pretty sure that the subway station post predates the Maple Leaf Gardens.
0: Yeah, I think Massel Square Garden, I think... Yeah, I think the modern garden, I think, was built in the 60s. Uh, Maple Leaf Gardens was in the early 30s. It was right during the... um session great depression sorry so yeah that'd be cool honestly that's really cool that a hockey team is finally at the two billion mark because honestly you're you would see that with like the dallas cowboys the new york yankees manchester united like you'd see it with like the really big name clubs and now you're seeing the new york rangers which has got a lot of prestige number one's a new york team yeah they're an original six franchise They've got history, despite the fact they might not have a ton of Stanley Cups, but they have a lot of history, a lot of heritage there. So good on them. I, honestly, I wouldn't be—I was not surprised to read that the Rangers were valued at that. So yeah, I got really nothing to add there. Just good on them. Okay.
1: My my second joke is depending how late how big Arizona's tax line gets, they might be valued at negative because yeah, the government. If that line becomes a levy, the government just starts taking shit. Yeah. And if they take enough assets, then all of a sudden, the liabilities that the Arizona Coyotes already have may be less, worth less than their assets. Yeah. Well, so I- they're worth more than their assets. And then you've got negative net worth of a well, hockey they team.
0: Have, uh, from what I understand, they have paid off their debts. So
1: Okay, they did pay the tax. They paid the tax lien? Okay. 100%. It'd be very funny if they didn't.
0: Oh my God! Can you imagine? Well, they're already being kicked out of the arena after this season, so that would just be hastening it up. Yeah, like Jesus Christ. So we got to give a quick shout out, Tim, to Chicago Blackhawks goaltender Mark Andre Fleury, who became the third goalie in NHL history to win 500 career games. Fleury, drafted first overall by the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2003, had recorded an 8-10 record with a 0.913 save percentage for Chicago at the time of the story. It's very funny how
1: after that opening losing streak that Chicago had, Fleury's basically dragged them kicking and screaming to respectability on the ice.
0: It's true. And it's funny because, again, like it was – Flurry was looking like such a dud early on, especially when they're going through that big losing streak. And now, given his numbers, they're helping to turn it around. Yeah, and honestly, kudos
1: to Flurry. But at the same time, ten and fifteen isn't much better than, uh, well, I guess it's cosmetically better than one and ten.
0: Oh, yes. I got to ask, though, Tim, do you think Marc-Andre Fleury is probably one of the most successful yet disrespected goaltenders in history? Because you think probably. of it, 500 wins, gold medal, world juniors, Stanley Cups, Vesna trophies, and yet nobody gave him the respect he honestly deserves. And honestly, fans are really hard on him in Pittsburgh, and at times, rightfully so. But you don't win 500 career games if you're not great.
1: No, and I think that's the important thing that you're kind of hitting on is that, yeah, you don't win 500 NHL games as a goaltender because if you're not good, because you don't get to play that many NHL games if you're not good.
0: 100%, man, 100%. So, Tim, we've got a couple of firings to talk about this week. Hell yeah. This one, coming out of Vancouver of all places, this is the big one right here. This is one the fans have wanted for a long time, and they got it. Yeah. The Vancouver Canucks have fired GM Jim Benning and head coach Travis Green after seven-plus seasons and four-plus seasons, respectively. Benning, who was hired by as the Canucks GM in May of 2014, led the Canucks to two playoff bursts in 2015 and 2020, while Green recorded a 133-147-33 and 33 record with a 10-7 playoff record. Former Penguins GM Jim Rutherford, <laughs> interim GM as well as team president, as well as former Minnesota Wild head coach Bruce Brugero was named head coach.
1: This is such a weird thing, especially with Aquilini going out and directly hiring Bruce Boudreau. I really like Bruce Bruce Boudreau as a hire here because he is, as a coach, his tendency is to just make teams shootier, get them moving the puck the right way. And when his teams turtle in the third period on a one-goal lead, they make sure that they actually defend the lead by just making the game boring instead of just, not playing anymore. Jim Rutherford is an experience because Jim Rutherford and Jim betting are very similar in they have a tendency to make a dumb short term move and then try to wallpaper it over. Yep. So it feels like, and here's the thing though. I think Rutherford is still an upgrade over betting,
0: but yeah. I would agree because Benny. He he looks so sad. He just looks so sad as their GM. He kind of just looks like kind of like he has that kind of look of his face. Now, usually, Tim, with stuff like this, I would say you're fired. Yeah, yeah. I think for Canucks fans, I brought a clip in, and I think it's rightfully appropriate. I'm going to go ahead and play it. Are you ready for favorite? Here it is. And in case your ears are fucked, get the fuck out!
1: The Cadukes fans, the game before this happened, they managed to get a fire benning chant going through the arena. And the ushers
0: weren't able to find the instigator. I think it's funny because when you go into the concourse, they have a sell the team, sell the team chant going as well. Oh, Jesus. So we're going to move away from the Vancouver Canucks and talk about their former head coach, Alain Vigneault, because the Philadelphia Flyers have fired head coach Alain Vigneault after two plus seasons. Vigneault, who was hired by Philadelphia in April of 2019, recorded a 74-54-19 record and a 10-6 playoff record. Former St. Louis Blues head coach Mike Yao has been named interim head coach. So Alain on behalf of the Philadelphia Flyer fans, we want to thank you for your time and your service with the team. We hope for all the best in your future endeavors. But I got to say, Alain Vigneault, you're fired. I get what they're going for. But
1: unless I unless like Alain Vigneault has totally lost the room, this is on the GM. Like Ryan Ellis was a nice pickup, but then they completely undid that by overpaying for Rasmus wrist line and a few of the other moves they made on defense Philadelphia this season has been a train wreck like they can't get out of their own zone they can't shoot they can't move the puck their power play's okay though but
0: the one silver lining
1: yeah the one silver lining but this is a team that is not built to succeed and I think you might I suggest trying to tear it down but you don't have a first this year because he gave it to Buffalo for Rasmus Ristolainen.
0: I will say, I still will never understand that giving up a first for Ristolainen.
1: Yeah, no, that's it's it's just not good asset management. And who knows, maybe Ottawa, maybe Ottawa can pick up Claude Giroux on a sign and trade cheap at the trade deadline.
0: True, but do you want? Would you want to play Giroux on the on the wing?
1: Yeah, you play Drew on the wing with Stutzlet Center and then have like Foreman or Zach Sanford play on the left.
0: Yeah, well, that's one of the nice things about the show being affiliated with the National Podcast Network is because it's full of Philadelphia fans. So you see like Daniel and all these guys from the network and they're all talking about it. And it's just like, ooh, things are not going well. Uh-uh.
1: Yeah, and I think Philly is probably one of those markets where things aren't going well. Heads roll pretty quickly.
0: Philadelphia can be one of those markets that when you're winning, they absolutely love you. If you suck even the slightest, they want your head. It's got to be one of the most unforgiving sports markets. It's not just hockey. It's baseball. Especially football. But, like, the fucking Eagles, oh, my good Lord. They booed Santa Claus. No, so they threw snowballs at Santa Claus because they could have landed OJ Simpson. Right. But think of it, like, Donovan McNabb took him to the playoffs all those years, and yet he was so criticized by fans left, to right, and center.
1: It's incredible.
0: It's true, man. But, yeah, Philly gotta be one of the toughest markets to play in dude regardless of the sport
1: yeah like the only one i could think of that might be worse actually no philly's probably the worst like as much as montreal gets a reputation for being like very crazy to their players that's nothing on what philly will do to a football player or or even what happened to alan iverson yep like i think part of the reason why alan iverson was the way he was was the way that the fans and media in Philadelphia interacted with him.
0: It's true. And I mean, we can't forget that the Pittsburgh fans when it comes to the Steelers are insane. Like honestly, your tree has said they make Philly fans look like saints at times,
1: which is incredible because in Philly, the year when the Eagles won, they riot proofed the lamp posts.
0: I remember that. Oh, that was funny.
1: Like what city has to guarantee that someone's not going to try and climb
0: or bring down a lamp post. So we got to talk quickly about the Olympics. So the Olympics are maybe a few months away. There's still so much controversy. Are they going to go? Or are they not going to go? One player has come out directly and says he's not going. Vegas Golden Knights goaltender Robin Leonard announced he will not be going to the 2022 Olympics for mental health reasons and potential COVID-19 lockdowns. Leonard stated that said decision is very disappointing and a tough one for him. However, he says that he has to think about his mental health as well as the uncertainty regarding the potential positive COVID tests in China. And of course, we can't forget with the new variant going on. Like it's dangerous shit right now. Honestly, I'm thinking this is probably going to be a trickle down effect because you're we've talked about this in the past, right? We've talked the last yeah. couple of we talking about the injustices in China right now, and the NHL may not even go at this point.
1: And now that well, Team Sweden lost their starting goaltender,
0: yeah, but that's what, but you know, in fairness, they got Jacob Markstrom, they have
1: Jacob Markstrom, true.
0: And he said that, sorry, he said that even in this press conference too, he says, you know what? I'm not too worried. Markstrom's a beast. Yeah, exactly.
1: But Here's the thing though, is like, this could just be the first player to say no. And then you get others because not only is China just absolutely doing wrong by athletes, people who are looking for freedom of the press, freedom of expression in Hong Kong, abject slavery and concentration camps in Xiangxiang. like th- the players should just not go we cannot reward china for what they're doing and good on robin leonard for not going and on top of that the fact that you might be stuck in china for up to five weeks yeah. if a test that has a very high false positive rate a false positive rate that is decrease that increases as the number of true positives decrease that it's just a no brainer for an NHL player not to go. If you're stuck in China for five weeks after February, like after a mid February tournament that puts you into April. Yep. Like, yeah, that's the rest of the NHL season gone.
0: It is true. And honestly, yeah, it's, it's a shitty thing for Sweden because Robin Leonard is such a great goaltender, but you know what though? I don't blame him for this. And if no. players come out and be like, yeah, we don't want to go, then good on them, right? But it has to be a big-name player. It has to be a Crosby. It has to be a McDavid, a McKinnon. Ovechkin. Ovechkin. It's got to be guys like that, right, that step up and say, I'm not going. Yeah.
1: And, like, uh, good on the Biden administration for doing a diplomatic boycott it's a little embarrassing that it's taken the Trudeau government this long to even announce a diplomatic boycott of the Olympics. Like these guys, they need to the cover of their governments to go as to go and not go as well.
0: Is this probably the, fir- do you think this is the first time since the, what the mid eighties that countries have boycotted the Olympics?
1: Um, I, f- I can't remember if so. So she got a diplomatic boycott, but yeah, the eighties, 80- the, two, the Moscow and the LA Olympics were boy, like full on boycotted by Russia and the United States respectively.
0: Is it wrong that I only know about that because of that one Simpsons episode where Krusty Burger had the, the Olympic giveaway, it's like put a socket up, preppy. How much are these free burgers going to cost me? Don't worry, Mr. K we've rigged the cards. It's all the um, events that Americans never win or never lose. I or the communists never lose. I like, I like. Uh-huh. Soviet boycott. US opposed to most most events. How is this gonna affect my giveaway? You stand to lose 44 million dollars.
1: Uh. <laughs> I love how that's based on something that actually happened to McDonald's. Yep. Except McDonald's didn't rig the cards. They basically they basically had cards for each event in, I think, a pretty uniform distribution. And that's how they were able to cost out the promotion is like, okay, this is given the historical incidents of each country winning each event. We will probably give out this many burgers. And then the Soviets boycotted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk about a couple of suspensions because let me tell you, Tim, that game between Winnipeg and Toronto this past week. Boy, I'll tell you. It was a a tough one, but you know what? It gave us some stuff to talk about. Winnipeg Jets defenseman Neil Pionk was suspended two games for kneeing. Toronto Police defenseman Rasmus Sandin. Pionk is not a repeat offender. I did like Pionk's comments. I think it came out yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, where he says he felt so gutted for Sandin when he sees him limping off the ice. Like, he never purposely would try to hurt a guy like that, even for a period. And Leafs fans were like, I think sending him death threats. Yep, at least Twitter had one. Because here's the thing: I, I'm
1: Neing should probably carry a heavier suspension. I think Pionk probably should have gone for four or five games because like Neing is so dangerous, and I'm glad that Pionk is at least remorseful. But that was that was bad, and like that was definitely suspension worthy.
0: Yeah, but you know what, Tim? If a guy on the Jets got suspended, so did a noted Toronto Police goon who got six games. Toronto Police forward Jason Spezza was suspended six games for kneeing Winnipeg Jets defenseman Neil Pionk. Spezza is not a repeat offender. Now, one quick comment I have. Jason Spezza's six-game suspension, fun fact for all of our listeners out there, six more games then Ottawa Senator Chris Neal was ever suspended in his career.
1: That surprised me when you were pointed
0: out. Yeah, no, that Chris Neal just never got suspended. I know. Do you remember those comments Brian McGratton made like 10 years ago about Chris Neal? He says that Neal's the kind of guy who would start shit and never back it up.
1: I could see that.
0: Yeah, and because he was just like, yeah, I remember when I played with him in Ottawa, I was always sticking up for him because he was like the tough guy. Yeah.
1: But then the funny thing about Chris Neal is that he always, he had a bit, he had more skill than you would think. But yeah. you know how I said the Neal Pionk hit would should have carried a heavier suspension? Yep. What Jason Spezza did was worse. And that probably should have been 10 games because that was downright predatory.
0: It was. And the funny, and the sad thing is, is that he didn't. And be- I'm a Spezza guy. I know you're a big Spezza guy, but you know what? I'm really, I was just so disappointed in Jason about this because you know what? Jason's not that kind of guy, but here's the thing for me is that that could have been easily resolved and just dropping the gloves with him. Cause what's worse five minutes or six games point stands.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like, I, even if the guy like that was such a dumb, 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 dangerous play. And it's incredible that, Pionk just got away with a light, a light concussion. And then there was, of course, dick dummies on Twitter. They're like, oh, he's faking a suspension. Oh, oh, oh. It doesn't matter. The hit was so egregious, so across the line. Even six games seemed light. It's true. Now
0: we're going to close off top of the hour by talking about a fine, not a suspension. Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Ian Cole was fined $5,000. Wait for it. The maximum allowable under the CBA for kneeing Winnipeg Jets forward. Mark Shifley. Cole is not a repeat offender.
1: So are you Ottawa senators legend Ian Cole was fined?
0: Yes. You know what? I have nothing to really comment here. The only comment I have was when I read this, my first thought was like, I mistaked him for Eric Cole. And I was like, <laughs> I, thought, I thought he retired. <laughs> That was a long time ago. It was. I was like, what the hell? I thought, I thought Eric Cole retired. There is... Oh, it's Ian Cole. Never mind. Oopsie. Yeah. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the hour for this week, which can mean only one thing. So I'm to start talking about some games. Now, we got three games on the schedule. We've got the Sens versus the Devils, Islanders versus the Senators, and the Lightning versus the Senators. But before we do that... Let's hit the music. It's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Devils. This is a three-two Senator shootout victory. Sens goes scored by Drake Batherson, Brady Chuck, and in the shootout, Tim <laughs> and Josh Norris. Devils scores were scored by Damon Severson, Nathan Bastian, and Thomas Tata in the shootout. Shots were 24-23 for New Jersey. Damon Severson opens the score to make it 1-0 Devils on a point shot. Drake Batherson gets Ottawa on the board to tie the game at 1, putting it top shelf. Nathan Bastian tips in the P.K. Subban shot to make it 2-1 Devils. Brady snaps the Batherson pass home to tie the game at 2, Then Stutzla and Norris scores for Ottawa in the shootout to win it. So of course I had to condense watch this game because we were recording last week's episode. First comment I got to make of the game, Tim. Yep. During the first part of this episode, you were eating a delicious bowl of soup. Yes. How was made. It? I can't believe that we've been doing this show for five years and yet here we are, be trying to be professionals, and you're eating on the air.
1: I I didn't have time to eat during the afternoon.
0: That's fair. What kind of soup was it?
1: Uh, It was uh, chicken and lentil. And I used curry powder and turmeric to spice it.
0: Not bad. Not bad at all. Now, what also wasn't bad in this game, Tim, was Drake Batherson. One goal, one assist for two points on three shots. Easily was Ottawa's best forward in this game. The comment I got to make on that goal. Eat your fucking heart out, Austin Matthews. Holy shit, dude.
1: Yeah, that was beautiful. So good. Like, I don't even know how he managed to get himself into that position and then just launch that sucker.
0: I can't believe that the Devils left him that wide open too, right? Yeah. Honestly, Drake has... Leading the sends in points right now, he's proven he's going to be dangerous. Maybe because they don't take him that seriously. Because I goers when you talk about the sends, you got to stop the Stutzlas. Now they're realizing you got to stop Josh Norris, Brady if he can stop him. But Drake is one of those guys. He's going so under the radar that he's just like, yeah, I'll be left wide open and risk one top shave.
1: But the other thing is, is Drake Batherson is he's a lot stronger than he looks from a hundred feet. Yep, like I would say. Drake Batherson wins 50-50 puck battles 75% of the time. So it's very hard to stop him. Because he kind of just muscles his way on through.
0: Yeah, he, he looks a lot like Mark Stone. He looks like a, a Mark Stone light out there. Yeah. Obviously a better skater, but, you know, that's not here there anywhere. Honestly, no, I thought Drake played a really good game in this one. Another guy I thought played really well was Anton Forsberg. 22 yeah. saves, a .917 save percentage. This guy, you want to talk about a guy who bailed out Ottawa a few times in this game, especially that first period when Jersey was right in the slot.
1: Yeah. And what's incredible is just Jersey was all over Ottawa to start that game. Like, it was a somewhat slow start for Ottawa. And besides, like, the Severson going up immediately off the first shot, yeah, Forsberg stood really tall. And he looked pretty good doing it.
0: Like Anton Forsberg has just been really, really good the last several starts he's had, and I'm really happy about that. Now let's move our attention to the captain, Brady to Chuck. One goal, one assist for two points on two shots. Three words: classic Brady goal. It was garbage. <laughs> it was
1: like just cleaning. Got himself in the slot, clean that fucker up, mm-hmm. and you know what? More fantasy points for Tim.
0: Now, the last comment I want to make on this game, Tim, Josh Norris. Now, he only had one shot in this game, but the one thing I got to notice when I was watching him in the shootout, when I was watching him go down the right side and snap one on the far post and in, the only thing I thought of was how many times did I see Joe Sackick doing that growing up?
1: such a beauty shot, eh?
0: And you know what? He looked like a young Joe Sackick on that because Sackick was always come down the wing, cuts in a little bit, goes on his dominant leg, back leg sticks out a bit, and he just wrists at home. Yeah. That was Josh Norris.
1: It's a cool move, too. Oh,
0: it was really nice, man. It was really nice. And I'm glad that we got the W in this one because, honestly, Jersey's weird. Jersey's one of those teams that I'm always kind of iffy whether we can beat them or not.
1: And it's funny because they're definitely a team that I think they're better than their record looks. And they've had some pretty key injuries Mm because they've gone a long time without Jack Hughes and Nico Hirscher.
0: It's true. But I mean, in fairness, and we talked about this last week, like Jersey, they're on the right track. I really like their development. And I hate to say that I'm glad they got the loss in this one. Yeah. Anytime that we can beat Jersey, just so I can rub that in my cousin's face. (laughs) Let's go. Islanders versus Senators. This is a 5-3 Islanders victory. Islanders scored by Anders Lee with two, Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows, and Jean-Gabriel Pajou. Senators goes scored by Josh Norris, Nick Holden, and Alex Formaton. Shots for 33-27 for the Senators. And it was if- a
1: really good game by Ottawa, but yeah, Gustafson let them down.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about that here, here in a second. Anders Lee opens the scoring to make it 1-0 Islanders, putting it up, putting the shot up that bounced off the boards. Josh Norris gets auto on the board to tie the game at 1, getting a cross-ice pass from Batherson. Oliver Wallstrom scores to make it 2-1 Islanders on a backhand in the slot. Anders Lee gets a second of the night to make it 3-1 Islanders on a shot that squeaks through Gus. Kiefer Bellows goes top shelf to make a 4-1. Nick Holden scores to make a 4-2 Islanders on a shot that hits a guy and in. John Gabriel Pajot scores to make it 5-2 in the slot, and 4 scores to make it 5-3 Islanders, which would be the final. So again, I had to condense watches. I was at Katrina's that night. Didn't get a chance to watch the game. Okay, so let's talk about Gustafson. 22 saves, a .815 same percentage. The stats did not look good. It looked garbage.
1: He, he was pretty shaky.
0: He was shaky, but some of those goals... How exactly do you really get yourself in a position to stop it? Especially when it bounces off the board. Well, I'll give him that
1: one, but it there's to- a few goals that like this, I believe it's the the second goal, which was Anders. Sorry. The, the Wallstrom goal. Yep. Uh, no, sorry. The, the Anders, like the Anders Lee one, he just lost the puck. Yeah. If yeah. he had kept tracking the puck, he would have been to the side of the net and, that lane just would not have been available, like that. He got caught cheating. He did, and he lo- there was the third goal and the fifth goal. He also got caught just not tracking the puck. You know, what and some was- of those were pretty. He had a cl- clean sight line on those as well. Like those are saves that Gustafson had to have. You know, what I f- I think I can justify two of the goals, three of them, like five of them. No, and uh, that game's on Gustafson.
0: I gotta say, and the one thing I've noticed about Gustafson, I don't know if you feel the same way, but ever since we put Matt Murray on waivers, Gustafson hasn't looked great. Am I alone for thinking this?
1: Yeah, he's definitely played his weaker games since then.
0: And that might not be a great sign. No, because Anton Forsberg is outplaying him right now.
1: Yeah. And what's weird about Forsberg is he's had two modes of performance as an Ottawa sender lights out or Well, I'm glad the Sens are getting run support tonight.
0: Oh, so he's Craig Anderson yet.
1: Yeah, it's total Craig anderson And the question is, is is it sustainable? I don't think Anton Forsberg is sustainable. I'm very happy that he's having this modicum of success. Yeah, Uh,
0: it helps us dig us out of this hole, so.
1: Yeah, the hope is is that either Trent Mann and the goalie team in Belleville rehabilitate Matt Murray. Mm -hmm. Uh, or what we're hearing from some of the scouts external to Ottawa and uh, the team in Belleville is that Mira Linen has a fantastic ceiling. And if Goose doesn't work out, oh, well, we've got another guy. One thing I really liked about the Sens in this game is there was no quit tonight, sorry, in this game. Even though, like, this is the sort of, game where you would expect the sense, just look at everything going through Gustafson and being like, Oh fuck, here we go again. But yeah. no, they fought back each and every time.
0: I have to wonder how much of that really is now because Brady is the captain, right? Brady's the one that's saying you guys better not quit. Maybe. Cause he just seems like that kind of guy that really would push the team so far that it's just like, no, we're getting this shit going. Perhaps, perhaps.
1: But no, it was really good to see. And it's funny because, like, I thought Brady had a pretty good game. The Stutzla line was fantastic.
0: Okay. Do you want to quickly talk about Tim Stutzla? Yeah. One assist and five shots. You know what's funny? The only real comment I have on this one Tim Stutzla threw a hit and then he dropped the gloves. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he had it in him. I did not know. I think you noticed it was that moment where you noticed like, oh, I fucked up. Yeah. It was a clean hit. That's what I don't like about hockey nowadays is that you throw a clean hit and you have to answer for it. And I think that's the fault of the refs.
1: They let too many dirty hits go. Yeah. And then all of a sudden people are just like dropping the clubs over that. And then it becomes a bit more acceptable to do that. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm just going to run for everything. Um, and I don't like that. One thing I actually I did like in limited ice was the Sanford Gambrell and Watson line actually looked pretty good. Okay. Like they did fourth line stuff and they did it respectably. They got energy moving the right way. And this was one of it even though he didn't have a point, I think this is one of Gam- Dylan Gambrell's best games in a Sanders uniform. Except maybe the Tampa Bay, like the Tampa Bay game Gambrell actually looked pretty good too.
0: Yeah, and we'll definitely talk about that here in a minute. But I really want to talk about Josh Norris before we head into that. One goal and five shots. Now, you know how I think it was on last week's episode, Tim? You commented that you've nicknamed Alex Formington, Alex Form Moneyton. And I also had a nickname for Josh Norris. Yeah, yeah. To quote Randy Moss, straight cash, homie. <laughs> that goal, oh, got to love it. You got to love those Josh Norris slap shots. That's straight cash on me.
1: It's it just comes right. And it's difficult to stop because, again, you've got and on the power play, you've got it loaded up with Kachuk, Stutzla, Norris, Batherson,
0: Shabbat. Who are you going to stop? It's true. So let's move our attention to the third and final game of the evening. Lightning versus Senators. This is a 4-0 Senators win. Senators scored by... Oh yeah, that's right. Sorry, Thomas Chabot's shot got tipped in it. Brady DeChuck with the hat trick and Josh Norris. Shots were 25-22 for the Lightning. Ottawa outplayed Tampa Bay throughout the game. Tampa started the game controlling the play and getting a majority of the scoring chances. However, Ottawa completely took over in the second period and wouldn't let go as they would secure the shutout. Let's talk about Brady. Three goals on seven shots. And you know what, Tim? It's so fitting. Brady to check. gets his first career hat trick as. He now hits eleven goals on the season, and it was Daniel Alfredsson's birthday. I mean, captain shit,
1: captain shit. The Ottawa Senators looked in control all this night, despite Tampa Bay having an edge in the fancy stats. They just did not. A lot of the shots that they were able to get away, even if they were coming from dangerous places, didn't particularly look all that dangerous. Except for a few where Forsberg had to make these ten alarm bell saves, and. I think the defense man should just box everyone out effectively. Mm-hmm. They were stripping pucks very, very well. And the senators drew a lot of, ha- they drew a lot of penalties and made Tampa Bay pay.
0: Yeah. But there With- was also a lot of calls that the rest didn't call and they were blatant. Like yeah. there was a tripping call on NS. So I think there was other players top of my head. I can't think of them right now, but yeah, there was at least three or four penalties that I'm watching and going like, Okay, that should have been a penalty. That should have been a call. They should have called that, and they just didn't.
1: Well, missed high. There was a few missed high sticks.
0: Yep. Well, look, and I
1: think one caught blood too, which was pretty bad.
0: No, I think that was in the Isles game.
1: Oh, that was the Isles game. But yeah, no, the the officiating in this game was pretty bad. But at the same, and it and it was you could tell that there was game. They were trying to manage the game and get the Lightning back into it. And the Lightning power play was. It was a train wreck. Let's be real. Yeah. The so, Ottawa Senators frequently kept them to no
0: shots. So, can I quickly make a comment? Because you made a mention about Josh Norris got high sticked in the mouth, was bleeding, and then scored. Yeah. So, should his thinking be now Josh WK? Yes. So, let's put our attention and talk about Drake Batherson. three assists and two shots. Once again, proving how much of a steal he is right now at just under six mil. How the hell do we do that? Six more years we've got him at this.
1: Well, that Batherson Kachuk, the Batherson Kachuk line was dominant mm-hmm. until like Ottawa got the 3 0 lead and then they just sat back. And it didn't actually look particularly bad because. Well, by the time that Ottawa had went up to 3-0, it looked like Tampa Bay had just decided they weren't going to fight this one anymore.
0: Yeah. I do going to make a comment on the Brady-Norris-Bath line. Is this now the hottest line in the NHL?
1: It's got to be up there.
0: Got to be, man. Because, you know, you think of all the points they're putting up and nobody's expecting this, right? Yeah. And then Stutzler's getting in on it too, eh? He really is. He really is. Now, of course, I got to talk about Josh Norris once again. Now, he got one goal on two shots. Again, straight cash, homie.
1: Oh, straight cash. The other thing is, is he, this is probably one of the first games of the season where the line blender really didn't come out. Where you saw the lines as they're going, you've got Kachuk, Norris, Batherson as your top line. Formanton Stutz, LeConnor Brown as a second line. Paul Gambrell, Watson. And Ennis, Tierney, Sanford. And that was pretty stable, as well as Holden, Zub, Shabbat, Zayt, said Heatherington, and Mete. Although Heatherington, there was, Heatherington saw less than 10 minutes of play. So I'm guessing if any, and JBD was a healthy scratch for this game. So I'm guessing if anyone comes out of the lineup for JBD to come in, it's probably going to be Heatherington.
0: I would imagine so, just because, again, he's the youngest guy there. But also we had an Eric Branstrom sighting. Yeah. Is and it a, I got to make a comment here. Now, you know, of the game streamer ninja, correct? Yes, I can see it. He looks like a blonde ninja. Kind of. Yeah.
1: Um, what Bruce Gary, was saying in the year mission was that it looks like Branstrom is skating with the team again. So we might be seeing Eric Branstrom in January.
0: Excellent. And
1: if that's the case, I wouldn't mind seeing, uh, yeah, Eric Brandstrom gets some reps on that third line and uh, Mete Mete sitting out. It's got to be. Yeah.
0: got to happen, right?
1: I know it's not going to happen, but if uh, Zaitsev gets moved at the trade deadline and Josh Brown is fired into the sun, you could have Shabbat, Zub, Hol- Brandstrom, Holden, and uh, JBD, and I guess Lassie Thompson. Or something well, like that. We
0: did what we did on The Simpsons with Rex Banner, where this fired him out of a catapult. <laughs> but no, it's like these past two weeks, the Senators have played a lot better.
1: Like, granted, they're probably seeing more backup goalies. Yeah, I can I can get why Tampa Bay played Brian Elliott against Ottawa because Brian Elliott turns up He's against not his former team.
0: And honestly, let's talk about him real quick because this was his first loss versus the Ottawa Senators. And yeah, he wasn't great. But, but at the same time, the only thing I got to mention, though, his goalie mask. Can you quickly Google Felix Potvin goalie mask? Yep. his that mask totally gave me Felix Potvan vibes. Especially the one in Toronto, like that blue and white one that he wore. I can see it. Yeah.
1: But the I the one that kind of looks like a luchador.
0: Yes. But the nice thing about it is it has like the palm the palm tree on the side. Yeah, It was a really nice touch. But yeah, as soon as I saw that mask, that's the first thing I thought it was Felix Poffay. Because Felix was one of my favorite goalies when I was a kid, even though I didn't like Toronto. But come on, how can you not like a guy whose name is Felix the Cat?
1: No, that's cool. That's cool. Um although to be fair to Brian Elliott. Those goals were impossible. They like were. the Brady Kachuk tip, Brady Kachuk's goal for like just laser from the slot from like a beautiful, beautiful pass. And then just Norris right in tight as he got around everyone.
0: I'm disappointed. I can't yell hot Sambacho this week.
1: I know. Did you have Nick Holden scoring before Thomas Shabbat on your send bingo card this year? I did not, Tim. Neither did I.
0: And here we are. Now, let's quickly talk about Tom Shabbat because he had two assists in this game. Oh, God, I was gutted. Man, I was gutted. He didn't get his first of the season. But we were talking about the Travis Zagigris move from last week, the little lacrosse flip. He tried that. He- it damn near worked,
1: too. Connor Brown just missed the connection. Yeah. Because Shabbat had it on the tee. Like he got the perfect execution. The puck was right there for Connor Brown. Connor Brown just missed.
0: You don't know even really notice what Thomas Shabbat when he's got a little bit of stubble. You know what he looks like? Nope. Kind of. Remember back in the day when we were in high school, the kids that were known as skids.
1: Oh my god, he does look like a skater kid.
0: Oh no, you know who you know who really does is Alex Formington. Oh my fuck, does Formington look like a skid? Oh my god. Yeah, and we, and now you will never unsee it. But not, so, not like the skids from like Letterkenny, but just those like hockey player kids. Had or the
1: guys at the skate park, dipping the lip. So, uh, what you're saying is we're gonna see half the Senators bench in like Limitless hoodies, just hanging around the community park.
0: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and I think nowadays that Limitless hoodies are gone out of fashion. I think we might be seeing the, um, God, what's the brand nowadays? Not the anti-anti-social club, but.
1: What do they wear nowadays? Is it element or?
0: No, wouldn't be element. Ah, good Lord. It's driving me crazy. I can think of it right now. Ah, I can't even think of it right now. Anyway, do they still wear DC shoes? Is that still a thing? I mean, I still do, but in fairness, I'm like thirty years old. So, well,
1: I remember the DCs were actually good for skating in.
0: Yeah, I think but- I think skaters still wear them, but honestly, I still wear skate shoes because they're super comfortable. So, yeah. can't complain. Let's talk about Anton Forsberg, Tw- a 25 save shutout. And what I really noticed watching the first two periods of this game before I went to work was that he really held Ottawa in, it in the first period, and he had some solid saves.
1: Yeah, because Ottawa was like Tampa Bay came out flying, and they played a very good road first period. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, though, like Ottawa kept up. Like that first five minutes was a bit rough, but after that, Ottawa kind of calmed it down, and they were able to keep up until kind of that power play where it was all Tampa. I actually really liked the I really liked what the Senators did
0: in this game. Me too.
1: And that two goals in just about a minute by Brady Kachuk really sealed things up. And it's funny because uh we're going to be right back in Florida next- this week.
0: I know. I got to – you know what's funny? And I was thinking about this today when I was working out because I was like, God, like, what do I name next week's episode? Because I got to say like – Sunshine State something, and then I realized, oh, yeah, that's right. It's our Christmas episode. It would be like what a very third line pun Christmas. yeah let's do her. Although I got a, I got a really great name for this week's episode, though. Oh, you do? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Senator in Jersey City. Yeah,
1: let's do it. Yep. Fucking Jersey. Yeah. Helmet.
0: I often wonder how many people listening to this would get that reference, though. Senator in Jersey City.
1: How many of the people listen to this show? watch a lot of the simpsons
0: it's not a simpsons reference though why did i think it was the
1: why would it be the new york episode
0: no that's homer versus new york city right no the reference is actually a reference to the band coheed and cambria oh i forgot about them It's a song off their debut album called devil in jersey city ah yeah so tim i don't have any more comments to make on this episode if you want to head off into the close for another evening yeah let's do her well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording up for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901HoneyBadger. I'm at GreatWhiteGipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E-Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games, top of the hour, or... You want to give some props on the Cohen Canberra reference for our today's episode title, shoot me an email. Throw that post to those guys at gmail.com. So Tim, as you just alluded to a second ago, we are in Florida this week and we've got three games in the schedule for next week's episode. Tomorrow night, we will be in sunrise to play the Florida Panthers Thursday. We are in Tampa Bay to play the Tampa Bay lightning and Saturday we travel to the city of brotherly love to play the Philadelphia Flyers.
1: That would be an interesting watch, especially because of the turmoil that Philly's going through. The Senators were kind of going through their own about around the same time, so it'll be interesting to see how two teams, one team that's recently out of their slump and another that seems to still be kind of in it, is doing. Yeah. Those are always the weirdest games to watch
0: and we also can't forget that the next two games Tim are also going to feature teams that we had represented for for our season preview episode fancy fancy until next time guys I'm your host Taylor Gibson and this has been Tim Jensen. go sends, guys woo